we are continuing our slow journey, slow trek, through, slow leisurely walk through Psalm 22, or Psalm 23 rather, and uh, we are in verse 2 this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can take your Bible out, turn to Psalm 23, and as we read this particular poem, this particular prayer, this particular psalm, let's listen with reverence and joy, because this is the word of our shepherd king. He writes through, he says, through the pen of the servant David, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, you are our shepherd, our provider, our protector, our all in all. You are our greatest need. And in giving yourself to us in your son and by your spirit, you are our greatest provision. Help us to look to you to be refreshed in you, to be at rest in you, to be satisfied in you, and to know that because we were created for you, we need look nowhere else. Remind us of that this morning because our hearts continue to look everywhere else. And so we need you apply the balm of your word to us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, writes Chad Bird, but I still want. I want whatever my heart desires. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, but I spy grass that is greener on the other side of the fence. He leadeth me beside the still waters, but I know of still more exciting places where I'd love to drink my fill. Well, last week we looked at the phrase, I shall not want, and we, we closed our time together with a, an exhortation, a reminder to be content. And uh, to be content means to be happily reconciled to one's circumstances in life. And the reality is, is that often when we feel want, when we feel like we don't have what we need, when we're not satisfied with what the Lord has provided, it's not a true wanting, but a wanting of our own making. It's a want that stems from a lack of contentment, not from actual need. 
And we saw that the, that the resource from which one draws to actually be content is not a sort of self-contained sufficiency, but a Christ sufficiency. Uh, it comes from finding one's all in all, finding one's happiness and rest and satisfaction and sufficiency in Christ and in Christ alone. As I'm so often uh, fond of quoting, St. Augustine once said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that's the only way that one's heart can truly be satisfied and sufficient, content and at rest, is if it's found its home in the God for whom it was created. And that's what we're kind of exploring this morning as we find our way into verse 2 of Psalm 23 here. The, the sort of big idea we see here is that the Lord provides true refreshment and rest in Christ. The Lord provides true refreshment and rest in Christ. And we're going to unpack that by first looking at the shepherd's provision, and then at the sheep's barriers, and then lastly at the sovereign's guidance. First here, we see the shepherd's provision David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now he's, he's obviously continuing with this shepherd and sheep theme here in the psalm. He's not speaking literally, of course. Uh, he's speaking metaphorically about how the Lord provides for his people like a good shepherd provides for its sheep. And there are at least two aspects of provision mentioned here. The first is, is that of refreshment. Um, he, he provides refreshment. He provides sustenance. He provides food and drink for his covenant lambs. That's why he speaks of green pastures and still waters. Green pastures are filled with good and luscious grass on which the sheep can eat their fill. The still waters are, are quiet streams from which the sheep can drink and be refreshed. The Lord provides refreshment and sustenance for his people, like a good shepherd provides refreshment for his sheep. But then notice that he not only speaks of, of refreshment, but of rest. David speaks not of just eating in the green pastures, but rather he speaks of lying down in them. Uh, that, that gives the picture that the sheep has already eaten its fill, and it has enough nearby for its next meal, and so it lays down for a rest with knowledge of where its next meal is coming from. The same is seen when, when speaking of being led beside the still waters. Uh, or as another translation puts it, next to waters of, of, rest, of restfulness. Again, uh, this, this image of rest is, is present here. The Lord provides rest for his people like a good shepherd provides rest for his sheep. And of course, as we've seen over the last several weeks, uh, this in part speaks to the reality that God provides for the creaturely needs of his people. Uh, the, the sort of physical, material, monetary needs of his people. As he says in, in Matthew 6, Jesus says that those who seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, all their needs are always going to be provided for. This is why David says in Psalm 37, 5, that he's never seen the righteous begging for bread. He's never seen God's children begging for bread. And why he can say in Psalm 127, 2, that God gives to his beloved Sleep. He gives to us life and breath and everything. He provides for our physical refreshment and rest. He provides for the, the material and monetary needs of his people. And yet, as we know, uh, we, we need far more than physical refreshment and rest. Uh, some of the most miserable people, some of the most miserable souls on the planet still possess 
material and monetary goods. And some of the most flourishing, uh, most vital souls on the planet seem to lack these very things. You know, you can have food all the while your soul withers and atrophies. You can be wealthy and monetarily provided for while your soul is restless and unsatisfied. We, we desperately need the provision of soul refreshment and nourishment. We need our souls to be at rest in peace. And for that, our souls need to find their hearts, their, their hearts' homes in and with the shepherd. As Matthew Henry once said, our bodies could sooner live without food than our souls without Christ. And so God has provided us with the Christ for our satisfaction and sustenance. He, he is our green pastures in which we rest and our still waters through which we are refreshed. He is the soul's refreshment and rest. As, as he says regarding himself in our refreshment in John 6, on John 6, 35, he said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He comes to us as, as bread in that if we receive him by faith, he satisfies the hunger of our souls and refreshes us with himself. If you receive Christ and his benefits by faith, your deepest longings will be satisfied. You will be known and you will know the, the, the God who created you for himself. God gives us this kind of refreshment in Christ. He satisfies the longings of our soul. He, he, he causes us to know and to be perfectly known by God our Father, the one for whom we were created. And then not only that, but, but rest too. To, to all who are worn out and feeling crushed under the weight of fear, guilt, and shame, he says, as we just read earlier in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He will, give you, he will give your soul rest and that he will remove from you the guilt that you feel and carry, that he will, he will take away all your fears. That is the, the fear of death and judgment. He will take away from you the, the, the shame you carry due to the sins that you've committed and the sins that have been committed against you. He, he invites you to cast your burdens and your cares upon him and to take upon yourself his easy yoke and his light burden which is a, a life of simple commitment to him. You see, Jesus is our refreshment and rest. He is the shepherd's provision for his covenant lambs. However, as, as Christians, we sometimes don't actually seem to really experience the, the, the fullness of this soul refreshment and rest as God's covenant sheep, do we? Of course, if, if, we, if we trust in Christ, there is an objective reality to our possession of him and our salvation in him. But, but subjectively speaking, it doesn't always feel that way. Our, our subjective experience doesn't always match the objective reality of our, of our union with Christ. That is to say, we always possess an unbreakable union with Christ if we trust in him, even with trust the, side of, uh, the size of a mustard seed. But while we possess an objective union with Christ, we don't always experience a full communion with him, do we? Which is to say, we don't always have the felt experience of our union with Christ, and our hearts desire that and long for that, and so we not only need to consider the shepherd's provision, but we also need to consider the sheep's barriers as well. 
What is it that keeps us as, as God's covenant lamps from experiencing and enjoying the refreshment and rest of Christ in our souls? What, what kinds of barriers have we ourselves put in place? What kinds of walls have we put up that, that keep us from experiencing all that God has for us as the sheep of his fold? And from the little that we've learned about sheep during our time in, in this psalm, we actually we know that sheep have many characteristics and kind of idiosyncrasies that keep them from enjoying all that their, their shepherds might provide for them. They have many, many proclivities, as, as many creaturely proclivities, that keep them from lying down in green pastures and resting beside still waters. And we're much like them in that respect. And one way, for example, that we are much like sheep is one of the barriers that keeps us from resting and being refreshed uh, in and, and by Christ is that of distraction. Part of what may keep us from experiencing true rest and refreshment in Christ is our, is our being distracted by looking for our soul's rest and refreshment in other things. Now, Philip Keller, we uh, quoted him last week. He's a pastor who was formerly a, 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 a shepherd um, before becoming a pastor. And he writes about an experience with this in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. He writes about a flock of sheep he watched one day. And he says that they were being led down to a magnificent mountain stream. Uh, the the snow-fed waters were flowing pure and clear and crystal clean between the lovely banks of trees. It's just a beautiful image, isn't it? But on the way, several stubborn ewes and their lambs stopped instead to drink from small, dirty, muddy pools beside the trail. The water was filthy and polluted, not only with the churned up mud from passing sheep, but even with the manure and urine from the previous flocks that had passed by. Still, these stubborn sheep were quite sure it was the best drink available. The water itself was filthy and unfit for them. Much more, it was obviously contaminated with nematodes and liver fluke eggs that would eventually riddle them with the internal parasites and disease of destructive impact. I probably don't need to tell you that we are just like those sheep in many respects. Like them, while a, a magnificent mountain stream is being offered to us, we drink from filthy and polluted puddles. While the waters of eternal life in Christ are ours to drink, we look for satisfaction in, in entertainment, in, in financial security, in, in being productive at work and, and filling our houses with material goods. We, we look for satisfaction in, in pursuing sexual indulgences and having cool experiences and traveling to cool places. We, we, we look for satisfaction in our marriages and having perfect children in, in fitness accomplishments and, and, and whatever, you name it. And, and many of these things that we look to for satisfaction, to satisfy our souls, are even good things provided for uh, us from our Heavenly Father. But while they're good, they're, they're not God. And if we look to them what, what only, to give us what only God can give us in Christ... They may give us kind of temporary fleeting senses of happiness and pleasure, but we're ultimately bound for disappointment and heartbreak because they're far less glorious and far less satisfying than the infinite God for whom we were created. As C.S. Lewis once said, he said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. 
Well, next, not only distractions, but, but fear often keeps us from experiencing true rest and refreshment in Christ. And again, Philip Keller, he speaks of, uh, about how uh, fear is often a barrier to sheep receiving their shepherd's provision. He says that sheep are so timid and easily panicked that even a stray jackrabbit suddenly bounding from behind a bush can stampede a whole flock. As long as there's even the slightest suspicion of danger from dogs, coyotes, cougars, bears, or other enemies, the sheep stand by ready to flee for their lives. They refuse to, to lay down and to rest or to, to, to eat and be refreshed because they're afraid. And how relevant is that for us right now? In the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this looming economic crisis, and, and perhaps we should note, first of all, that, that, that not all fear is sinful, right? Uh, there are healthy kinds of fears in life that are perfectly natural and even God-honoring. We're to revere God and his holiness, for one. And not only that, but in, in the face of immediate threats and dangers, our, our bodies, God has designed and created our bodies to flood with cortisol in, in, in order to uh, inspire fear in us and equip us to respond appropriately. If you're being chased by a lion, you're right to be afraid and to run away. That's okay. You can, you can be afraid in, in that kind of situation. And not only that, but even when we face potential dangers that aren't immediate, it's okay to respond with appropriate concern. In the face of, of dangers like potential sickness or death from, a, from a, an extremely contagious virus or financial trouble from being unable to work and the like. We face those kinds of, of troubles and we're right to respond with appropriate concern, a kind of concern that leads us to take necessary precautions to protect ourselves and, and those whom we love. There's no need to feel condemned for experiencing those kinds of fears in the midst of, of these times. They're appropriate and at times even godly. However, there's also an inordinate kind of fear. Uh, th there's a kind of fear that rises in our hearts because we're not trusting in the Lord as our shepherd in our sufficiency. There's a, a kind of fear that controls and consumes us. There is, and more often than not, this kind of fear is is found in connection with, is connected with the various kinds of distractions that we just mentioned. Often we refuse to find our heart's true satisfaction and rest in Christ because we're afraid that he's not going to give us the things we've so desired and been distracted by. We're afraid that he'll never give us that, that sense of financial security that we so long for and desire. We're afraid that he's never going to give us that, that marriage that we've so longed for and desired, that we'll never have the family or the house or the experiences and all the rest of it. And so our souls become restless with fear and refuse to rest in the green pastures of Christ's goodness and grace. Fear is a common barrier for us as God's sheep that keeps us from experiencing soul refreshment and rest that God has for us in Christ. And then not only distractions and fear, but, but stubbornness. Stubbornness, as, as Keller said about those sheep who were distracted by inferior water sources earlier, he said, still these stubborn sheep were quite sure it was the best drink available. In the same way, we, we can be so stubborn in our besetting sins and pursuing inferior desires and distractions and our inordinate fears. So, so often, we can even be aware 
of the Lord's better provision of his green pastures and still waters, his refreshment and rest. We can even be aware of the sort of inferiority of the things that we're looking to for refreshment and rest. And yet all the same, we continue on seeking rest and satisfaction in that which we know does not satisfy. All of us, I'm sure, can, can identify with the Apostle Paul in Romans Seven, when he says, I, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Distractions, fear, stubbornness, these are, these are barriers that we have set up for ourselves as sheep that keep us from experiencing the fullness of refreshment and rest and communion with our shepherd. Which brings us lastly to the sovereign's guidance. Here's, here's part of the good news of this verse. Is that while we have set up multiple barriers in our lives that keep us from resting in and being refreshed by the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ, the, the omnipotent and sovereign God is intent on sovereignly guiding us into being satisfied in and by his son. That's why David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He's the one who lays us down and who leads us. By his mighty hand, he's the one who will cause our souls to be refreshed and at rest in his son. And while we are distracted and afraid and stubborn, our distraction, fear, and stubbornness is no match for his skillful hand, his irresistible goodness, and his sovereign grace. As Jesus said in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And in John 6, 44 to 45, he says that no one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. That is to say, your barriers and your resistance cannot defeat the sovereign leading of God. It may be a process, it may take some time, but if the Lord has set his sights on you, if you are his elect, he is more serious about your refreshment and your rest and your satisfaction and your joy than even you are. He will not let you escape from his fold. He will lead you to green pastures and still waters. He will lead you to be satisfied in his son. And how does he do this? How does he lead us to feast on and drink from and rest in and commune with Christ? Well, he does it by the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, he taught his disciples about the person and work of the Holy Spirit in John 16. And there we see him say in verses 13 and 14 that when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's saying that, that it's the Holy Spirit who leads us to Christ and who nestles the truth of the gospel into our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to see Christ, who opens our ears to hear his voice, and who softens our hearts to receive him and delight in him and trust in him. This is the work of the Holy Spirit and this is what he does in the lives of God's covenant sheep. And so depend on the Holy Spirit. Depend upon the Holy Spirit to lead you to be refreshed by and at rest in Christ. But then we would do well also to recognize that the Holy Spirit accomplishes this work through various means. 
The Lord sovereignly guides our hearts and our souls to be at rest in Christ by the Holy Spirit and through the Word. The Scriptures are, are the means, the instrument through which the Spirit works. As we, as we listen to the scriptures and read the scriptures and hear the scriptures, God is working through them by the Holy Spirit to satisfy us with the beauty and loveliness of Christ. This is why the scriptures have been given to us in the first place, to reveal Christ to God's people, that we might receive him by faith and delight in him. As Jesus says in, in arguments with the legalists in John 5, 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me and yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And so we ought to give ourselves to reading and hearing and examining and meditating on the scriptures. Our distractions and fears and stubbornness will not disappear overnight. And so we ought to stoke the fires of our delight in Christ with the fuel of Scripture. We ought to fill our minds with Holy Scripture. We ought to take every fear and every lie and every thought captive to Scripture and devote ourselves to knowing the Scriptures. It is the means and instrument through which the Spirit works to sovereignly lead us to rest and refreshment in Christ. But then not only the Scriptures, He works through His people too. The reality is that, that when being led to green pastures and still waters, there is safety in staying close to the flock. It's often when you begin to wander off by yourself and to keep your own counsel and to distance yourself from the flock that you're also distancing yourself from the shepherd. And that's because the shepherd is with the sheep and the shepherd usually works through the sheep to lead and guide his own. It's often through a well-timed word from his people, through a, a gentle rebuke, of a fellow lamb. It's often through the example of those in the flock. It's through an encouraging affirmation of one of the flock. All these various means through which the shepherd sovereignly leads and gently nudges us along in those green pastures by the Spirit, through his word, through his people. And then next, through suffering and hardship. Sometimes our, our stubbornness and hard-heartedness necessitates that the Lord plan and permit Seasons of suffering and hardship in our lives. As Hebrews 12, 6 reminds us, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. At times the Lord will take away lesser pleasures and delights in life and increase hardship and suffering in this life in order to show us that only Christ can satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. As Tim Keller once wrote he, in, in his wonderful book, Reason for God, he said, as many have learned and later taught, you don't realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And so to show us that, sometimes he'll, the Lord will take away those things that we desire and may distract us from those greener pastures. In order to take us away from those puddles of filth, he'll discipline us with his rod and his staff to keep us moving to those quiet streams. And often it is painful for a moment, but it's all in love because he's ultimately leading us to that which will truly refresh us and satisfy us and give us rest. Which brings us lastly to that which God sovereignly guides us to. He sovereignly guides us by his spirit, through his word, through his people, and through suffering and hardship to satisfaction in Christ. He is the heart's true home. He is our green pastures and our still waters. 
Everything else we look to will leave us wanting, but he alone will satisfy. And so it's to him that God is leading us. And, and, and how does he satisfy us with himself? We could, we could say in a number of ways, if, if you are void of purpose and identity, he is your new identity and your reason to live. If you are, if you are lonely and afraid, he gives you himself in his family. If, if you are spiritually blind, he opens your eyes. If you are lame, he straightens your back. If you are hard-hearted, he will soften you. If you are weak, he is your strength. If you are sinful, guilty, and condemned, he is your righteousness and acquittal. If you are a slave to sin, he is your freedom. If you are wounded, he is your healing. When you are sad and sick and suffering, he will be your comfort. If you are afraid of death and judgment, he has defeated death and taken your judgment upon himself on the cross and risen on the third day. If you are weary and worn out in your soul, he is your refreshment and rest and so much more all the various streams of blessing that your soul so needs are found in him as the ever-flowing fountain. And so as John Calvin says, in short, since rich store of every kind of good abounds in him, let us drink our fill from this fountain and from no other. Amen. Everything your soul needs is found in him. So look to him, feast upon him, drink from him, rest in him, and you will be satisfied. The Lord provides true refreshment and rest in Christ. There are, there are no greener pastures. There, there are no more refreshing waters from which you can have your fill. There's no better rest. He is the shepherd's provision, and he is worth persevering and fighting through every barrier. And he is the one that God is ultimately and sovereignly guiding us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess our utter dependence upon you, upon your spirit, to work through your word and through your people and through even sometimes painful discipline to lead us to and guide us to being satisfied and refreshed and at rest in our souls and your son. And so we cry out to you in helplessness like, needy, like the needy lambs that we are and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.